The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Hung up in the House, Democrats now at odds with each other over next steps in the president's multi-trillion dollar spending plan. Is it possible that nothing gets done. America taking hits from its allies over the Afghan crisis with the UK and France now demanding more time to get their people out. Back on Wall Street, stocks trying for a third day of gains as tech remains in the driver's seat. We'll bring you more. Crypto crossing a key psychological level for the first time since mid-May. We dig into the rally ahead. And it may be only August, but Starbucks is bringing back the spice to its menus beginning today. It is Tuesday, August 24th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Tuesday morning. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting up their day. Stock futures, they are higher again across the board. All the major averages right now showing an indication up two to three-tenths of 1%. Not big gains, but gains nonetheless. But look at tech. Techs, the NASDAQ futures, are up more on a nominal basis than the Dow futures. Could be another big day for big tech. And that's incredible run ahead. All right. Well, even the only weak group lately, and that has been the small caps, staging a decent little comeback rally on Monday of nearly 2% for the Russell's best day since all the way back in July. Well, speaking of bouncing back, we continue to watch crypto. Bitcoin yesterday back above 50,000. It's not there now, but it's still up 49,737 Ether, Ripple, Litecoin, they're all higher across the board. Oh, by the way, much more in crypto a little bit later on in the show. And crude oil coming off a 5.5% jump on Monday, snapping not only a seven-day losing streak, but a multi-month decline. Oil having its best day since mid-March. WTI crude right now is higher again to 66.10. Well, around the world, trading already well underway in the UK with, again, you guessed it, more gains. Jumana Brissetti is in London with the early trade and more. Jumana, good morning. Morning, Brian. Well, you started off talking about the rebound we're seeing across various sectors. I also want to draw your attention to the rebound we've seen in Chinese equities overnight as well. The uh, Chinese Shanghai Composite up one percentage point. The Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong up about two and a half percentage point. We are seeing actually a bit of love for some of these Chinese tech names. The likes of JD.com up 15 percentage points. 
Tencent up 9 percentage points. So a bit of a rebound transpiring there. The handover for European equities has been positive, but it is somewhat of a cautious session. You can see for the stock 600, we're only up about a tenth of a percentage point. In terms of the individual indices, let's break it down a little bit more. The FTSE 100 in the UK, you can see, is dropping a tad down about a tenth of a percentage point. Sainsbury's, we talked about that stock yesterday because of the U.S. private equity interest today, trading on the back foot down about a couple of a percentage points. But we do have a good performance from miners right at the top of the FTSE today. The Cacajon down about a tenth of a percentage point. Again, luxury in focus, the ties to China, a big one to watch there. But luxury are actually doing well today, given the performance in China. And then we have the Zetradax index in Germany up about three tenths of a percentage point. We had better Q2 GDP data coming in, just a smidge better than expectations at 1.6 percentage point. In terms of sectors, though, this is the breakdown. We've got defensives on the back foot, telcos, utilities down about three tenths of a percentage point. Some of the banks also coming under pressure. But right at the top, the very high beta, very sensitive basket, uh, travel and leisure is up 1.6 percentage points. And perhaps, again, another sector that's reacting quite positively to that FDA approval for Pfizer BioNTech. It is a good thing for the travel industry, Brian. Yes, it certainly is. Jumana Bersechi, a lot of green there as well. Jumana, thank you very much. All right, so the markets, they're down. Now let's get to the news and some of this morning's key headlines, including more on a big business meeting at the White House later on today. Contessa Brewer is here with that and more. Good morning, Contessa. Good morning, Brian. The chief executives of Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and more reportedly plan to attend a White House meeting with President Biden tomorrow. The topic? How private companies are improving cybersecurity. There has been a dramatic uptick in ransomware and online attacks during the pandemic, costing billions. It's a real threat to the system itself. Invitations to the event were also reportedly extended to the CEOs of Google, IBM, Southern Company, and J.P. Morgan Chase. Disney has reached a deal with key unions to require all its unionized employees working at Disney World in Florida to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by October 22nd. Last month, the company mandated all its salaried and non-union hourly employees in the U.S. to be fully vaxxed by September. And Ford is reportedly doubling its production target for the all-electric F-150 Lightning to 80,000 by 2024 because of strong early demand. Reuters reports the company plans to spend an additional $850 million to meet that target. The F-150 Lightning is due to hit showrooms in early 2022. Brian. I could see you up there at your mountain hideaway in, a, in an all-electric F-150. What say you, Brewer? I, I mean, I have a pickup truck, but I would trade in for electric if, I, if only I could get the outdoor place to plug it in. That you need, and do you tow anything? Because that you know that reduces the. I don't know if you've got like a giant boat you're towing around or anything. Well, the plow, the plow on the front is what does it for me. That's the, who, of course the plow doesn't. That, that the plow is everything. <laughs> Contessa Brewer. None of this is surprising. We're going to be back with you in a few minutes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. okay. Of course. It's- All right, now back to the markets and your money. And with the Jackson Hole Fed meeting effectively put on hold by going virtual, what could be the big drivers of the market going forward? Let's bring in Bill Stone. He is Chief Investment Officer 
at the Glenview Trust Company. And, and Bill, welcome back. Listen, Jackson Hole is still happening, but pretty much everything you read in the market's like, well, it's virtual, so that kind of takes away some of the, you know, uh, the shine from it based on what we might hear. Or is that not true? Do you think that Jay Powell and the Fed could still make a bunch of big headlines? Well, I, I think it, it's going completely virtual just told the market that they're not going to make the big, big headline that uh, I'm going to say that, that people might have been worried about, which is that there was going to be some big rollout of, of reducing the asset purchases here in the short run. I think that's off the table. I think that's why you saw the market perk up a bit on Friday after a pretty poor week and maybe why we can continue to have a, a nice rally into this week. So, um, you know, we had seen some worries because we really part of it is it gives, I guess, the the actual concrete side to the fact that we have seen an actual impact of the increase in infections. So we, we know it's showing up in the economy and taking that meeting virtual just, you know, kind of brings it home. Does it matter if the Fed delays the, the reduction or the taper, whatever you want to call it, by a month or two, Bill? That, that's what I guess my point is. Like, we know they're going to do it. If they do it in September or November, does that really make that much or should it make that much of a difference for our viewers that are just throwing money every month into a 401k plan? Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly probably shouldn't. Um, but I think what's underneath the surface is this worry in the market that, the Fed is going to move too swiftly to take away accommodation, and that could snuff out this uh, this strong economic uh, recovery. Uh, actually, I guess now I have to call it an expansion, and that's really underneath it. So, you know, the exact timing, you know, you're right. It kind of seems silly that a few months would necessarily make a big deal. I think the 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 real deal is, well, the longer you wait, is maybe to be more sure that the infections aren't really going to get bad enough to truly sink the economy, and you don't want to be moving ahead of that. Yeah, I mean, so as a, as a fund manager, somebody trying to manage money, look at companies, look at earnings right now, is it all kind of about the path of cases and outcomes? I mean, nobody wants to become sort of an amateur epidemiologist, but we've all become sort of forced to be one. There's some very positive trends, by the way, down south with Florida, their top seven counties, rolling over in a big way, thank goodness, with cases coming down. Is that kind of the first thing you look at every day, Bill, or if not, what is? It is quite a bit. So, you know, watching on the margin of, you know, transit usage, I'm really interested in consumer mobility because at least certainly recently when you look at the economic numbers, so let's just use retail sales last week, um, the headline didn't look great. But underneath the surface, there was some good news there. So you still had restaurant and bar sales up nicely month over month. And that is, again, you know, the services side, the side that COVID really hurt and kept down longer. It was, you know, I say is still getting better. Now, these cases we're seeing, you know, again, consumer mobility is is declining somewhat. I'm, I try and put in a relative. It's not collapsing like we saw before. Um, so I have to, you know, shave some some numbers on the margin. But on the whole, it, it still looks good. And I think it's just going to push some of that economic activity out until, say, the fourth quarter and 2022. So I think we'll still get it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that is a big part of what we look at. I think the other part is it's probably, you know, some of the inflation may stick around a little bit longer. That certainly as I'm looking at companies, um, you know, part of the scenario, you've got to see where they're able to raise prices and such. 
I was at an Ace Hardware yesterday and Bill and then speaking to the, the, the woman who runs it, and she was saying every week I raise prices and not by a little, by a lot with no sign. We'll see. I said, do you think it's transitory? She said, not to my customers. <laughs> Bill Stone, always a pleasure to have you on, Bill. Thank you very Thank you. much. All right. Well, yeah, we've all been forced out to look at all these things we never thought we'd be looking at. All right. Anyway, we are just getting started on a Tuesday. And when we come back, we asked and you answered about what will have the best return on your money over six months. And we are now halfway through the big contest and we've got the results ahead. Plus, this morning's big money movers and why shares of Palo Alto Networks are popping in the pre-market. Look at that. Up 11%. And later on, the consumer battle heating up again with Walmart continuing to go after Amazon. We'll tell you how now we come back with Futures Higher. Stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. The key stock stories that are happening right now. Stock number one, we showed it to you before the break. Palo Alto Network shares are popping after the cybersecurity company's second quarter results top forecast and gave an upbeat outlook. By the way, the CEO spoke with Jim Cramer last night on Mad Money. You have to be very good at product and be constantly relevant in the product space. This is something that other cybersecurity companies have not done on a consistent basis across multiple swim lanes. And one thing we've proven today, we did 64, 64 pieces of innovation in the last three years where we delivered these products to the market. We have more to come. And that stock up 11% right now. All right, stock number two, Camping World, shares also higher. It said it will double its quarterly dividend to now 50 cents a share and its annual payout to two bucks a share because 50 cents times four is two dollars. Stock number three, DD Global, the Telegraph paper in the UK reporting the Chinese ride hailing company suspending plans to launch in Europe by at least a year. Sources say the delay comes from concerns over how DD handles passenger data under an attack from the Chinese government. And stock number four, Theravance Bio shares, they are down big this morning. The company said a study found that one of its drugs did not measure up to E placebo in treating ulcerative colitis. Theravance Biopharma shares are down 25%, losing a quarter of their value right now. All right, so the big money movers, they are down, but we will roll on right after this. 
And we'll hit how the growing crisis in Afghanistan now has America's allies begging President Biden for more time as their citizens remain at risk in a country that has been overrun by the Taliban. Today's big number, $129,300. That was the average 401k balance as of the second quarter, according to Fidelity Investments, a new record. That's up 24% from a year ago. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. With more American soldiers on the way to the country, President Biden facing pressure now from allies to extend America's presence in Afghanistan so American citizens and Western allies can get their still-trapped citizens out safely. The president will meet virtually with a group of seven leaders to discuss the situation later on today. Let's get more now with Dan Murphy, who joins us now from Abu Dhabi. Dan. Well, Brian, today's G7 meeting is going to give us more clues on whether or not President Biden will extend that evacuation deadline or whether or not he's going to stand firm on that initial August 31st date. And yes, the president is under increasing pressure from UK and European leaders who want more time to get their people and their equipment out of Kabul. But the president has already said his hope is that they won't need to extend. And that's because the Taliban have already given the US a red line. And it's this. They say complete the evacuations on time or face, quote, consequences. Now, we don't know what they are yet, but White House officials say there is a real concern now that if the U.S. tries to change this deadline, the Taliban is going to lash out at Americans and allies in Afghanistan, which could put some 6,000 U.S. troops and vulnerable others at the airport in harm's way. Remember, around 50,000 people have been evacuated from Afghanistan since August 14. Of course, there is still more to come. And you can imagine this fast approaching deadline is causing a lot of angst on the ground because officials say it's still going to take days to fully exit Kabul. So the challenge for the G7 today will be to develop a plan to speed up those evacuations to meet the deadline. They're going to need to coordinate resettlement programs as well. So these people have some place to go. And they're also going to have to discuss an approach to engaging with the Taliban in the longer term including whether or not to withhold aid, formal recognition, or use economic sanctions, which are all being discussed now. Brian? All right, world leader reaction. The group of seven allies, Dan, what are they saying? What can we expect? Well, it's interesting, Brian, because it really does seem like Britain is leading the charge here as chair of the G7. We know the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has suggested that he would like to see the deadline being extended in order for British troops to get out. Similar calls we've heard from France and Germany. 
But the problem is that if the US pulls out before them, they can't stay on the ground. So a mad rush now underway to get people out of Kabul and out of Afghanistan before that deadline. All eyes, all ears now on what President Joe Biden has to say. Back to you. Yeah, still a very dire situation there. Thousands of Americans and their allies are stuck, unable to get to the airport. Very dangerous. Dan Murphy, thank you. All right, now let's go back stateside, including an historic moment for the state of New York. Let's get more on that and some of this morning's other top headlines with Philip Menem in Manhattan. Philip, good morning. Hey, Brian, good morning. Yeah, New York now has its first female governor. Kathy Hochul was sworn in at one minute past midnight, and she's now the state's 57th governor. Meanwhile, former governor Andrew Cuomo issued a blistering farewell address condemning the state attorney general's investigation into his sexual harassment allegations. The leader of the far-right group, the Proud Boys, is headed to jail. On Monday, a judge sentenced 37-year-old Henry Tario to more than five months in a D.C. detention center. Tario, who admitted to burning a Black Lives Matter banner taken from a historic black church during a pro-Trump demonstration in December, also pleaded guilty to gun possession charges. He must surrender to the Washington, D.C. jail on September 6th. In court, Tario told the judge that burning that banner was, quote, a grave mistake. And finally this morning, home security footage in Bristol, Connecticut captured an unlikely porch pirate making off with an Amazon package. Just five minutes after Amazon dropped off that box on a woman's porch, that bear snatched it up. It was later found in a neighbor's yard after it apparently lost interest in what was inside. Toilet paper. The woman said it was angel soft, not Charmin. So, Brian, that might explain why the bear didn't want it. Talk about brand loyalty. I got a lot of questions. I mean, I only have so many answers. Paper, Go ahead. Yeah, Amazon. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just. You're ordering like one, like one package of toilet paper on Amazon. It's like it doesn't seem anyway. And maybe the bear had just great hygiene. You never know. I mean, right? What do we know about that bear? Looked pretty nice to me. Well, we know he think? goes in the woods. That's one. That's if a bear goes in the woods and there's... I'm, I'm going to stop. Anyway, just one roll of toilet paper in a box. It took like an entire tree to go to the bathroom. Yep. Philip Mena, I'm going to stop. Thank you. All right, buddy. <laughs> Bear, uh, you got to listen. To me. You got to go. You got to go. All right. Straight ahead. From Bitcoin to Chinese tech stocks. It is all about the bounce. Look at that. They are higher across the board. Alibaba, 5%, 10 cent, up nearly 9%. We're going to dig in at all coming up. Plus, the Pfizer CEO speaking out after they got the green light for formal FDA approval of their COVID vaccine. And a reminder, if you've not already, follow our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. It is called worldwide exchange i think it's got like a four eight rating i have no idea why but we appreciate it dow futures up 51 and we are back right after this is the reopening rally back on markets look to make more new highs today as optimism hits covid cases may finally be peaking in many parts of america don't call it a comeback or Maybe do, as Bitcoin continues to test three-month highs 
and its recent rebound. And let's make a deal. Nancy Pelosi dealing with more Democrat infighting as they try to push a new multi-trillion dollar spending package, even as the American economy booms. It is Tuesday, August 24th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back and good Tuesday morning, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us just about 530 here on the East Coast. And why don't we hit your morning money and stock futures because they are in the green. We are likely to make more new record highs today, especially for big tech, because we've got NASDAQ futures. They're up more than Dow futures. And I don't mean on a percentage basis. They are that. But on a nominal basis, they're up 64. Dow futures up just 43. We normally don't see tech, you know, NASDAQ up more than the Dow, but that's exactly what we're getting. In other words, it could be another big day for big tech. So much for the dog days of August. All right, one big stock to watch today is Pfizer. This after the FDA finally granting full approval for its COVID vaccine. And Pfizer CEO Albert Boyla speaking with NBC News Lester Holt last night, following that news, saying his company is they're already ready developing a new and better version of the vaccine for the new strains of COVID. We are making right now a specialized vaccine for Delta. I'm almost certain that we will not need it because, again, the data that we have seen, not only from our own labs, but also from emerging data from Israel, is that the booster shot of the current vaccine is very, very, very effective against Delta. But we cannot take that chance, right? What if something uh, happens? So we need to make sure that we have it as a tool. Like we will put it on the shelves. We will do the same for every variant that comes out. All right, that was uh, Albert Buila, Pfizer with Lester Holt last night. So some very positive news on the vaccine front as well. We're seeing cases start to roll over in some of the big counties of Florida and many parts of the South starting to slow their growth. So... Maybe all more reopening rally on type day. Well, also happening now, investors buying back into a bunch of China-based technology stocks. Even with the government continuing to crack down, buyers have stepped in. Arjun Karpal joining us now with some of the big movers. And Arjun, there's been no change in the regulatory environment, but yet we're starting to see maybe a little renewed optimism, at least with some of the bigger names. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Brian. Uh, just I'll give you a, a sense of what's going on here, according to some of the conversations I've had, some of the experts today. Firstly, you've got a lot of buying the dip going on here. You know, the Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong entered beer market territory last year. A lot of these stocks have been pretty beaten up as well, the likes of Tencent and Alibaba. So you are seeing buyers step in. Even Kathy Woods, Ark Invest, snapped up some JD.com shares, which ended the day nearly 15% higher today as well. But we do have slight more clarity on the regulatory situation. On Friday, uh, China passed what was a major data protection law, and that was really the end of all the landmark kind of laws that have been slated to come into force this year. And so there is a sense that investors know what that pathway looks like. The companies know what they're dealing with at this point, and so they feel more confident to deal with that. And I've been listening to a number of earning calls over the past few days from the big tech giants in China talking about how they've done internal checks and reviews to make sure they're compliant 
with the new regulation and that they feel confident they're going to be able to comply with that. And just speaking of earnings, you have had a slew of earnings from a lot of these tech giants over the past few days, like Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent. And they've been broadly quite positive as well, um, even though expectations have been low. And that's given a little bit of optimism to the market at this point as well. So I think that's really what's happened here in China and why you're seeing this huge reaction uh, today when it comes to Chinese tech stocks as well. One other point to make with the Nasdaq at this kind of record high as well. There is a sense that there's perhaps a little bit of buying or buyers looking for some value and they've seen the, 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 those stocks in China really take a battering and maybe putting some money into there. Question is, is this a sustainable leg higher or is this just a short-term blip as a little bit of optimism does return to the market, Brian? Well, yeah, it's that, and you just nailed the, I mean, the question right there at the end. I mean, short-term blip, or some renewed optimism, despite the fact that the Chinese government is cracking down big time, particularly on anything having to do with data or privacy as well. Something I know, Arjun, you know very much about. Arjun Karpal in China. Thank you very much. All right. Now, some of this morning's other top stories, including House Democrats hitting a new hurdle on the president's plan to spend trillions more, even as the American economy booms. Contessa Brewer is back with that and more. Contessa. So, Brian, House Democrats are set to reconvene later today because they're trying to strike a deal within their own party to advance the infrastructure and spending bills. Speaker Nancy Pelosi scrapped plans to vote late last night on the two pieces of legislation because of a stalemate with centrist Democrats. These middle of the road Democrats want Pelosi to put the infrastructure bill to the vote first before tackling the spending bill. Pelosi wants to package the bills into one vote to push centrists to vote for the robust spending bill, as well as the more popular bipartisan infrastructure bill. So we'll see what happens there. It's clear that she needs to get some of these um, more centrist Democrats on board. Okay, Walmart unveiling a new delivery service that will carry goods from other local retailers to customers. The company says the service called Go Local will start by the end of the year and will use new technology such as self-driving vehicles and drones. Walmart adds that Go Local will offer competitively priced shipping using a combination of associates, gig workers, and sometimes other delivery companies. And the FAA is reportedly looking into Boeing employees reporting pressure by the company over safety matters. That's according to reports that an agency survey of a small sample of Boeing employees this year found roughly a third of them reported problems that included being pressured and challenges in transparency with regulators. The aerospace giant continues to navigate setbacks over engineering and quality issues with its aircraft in recent years, including two fatal crashes involving its 737 MAX jets. As you can see, Boeing up almost uh, six-tenths of a percent in extended trading. All right, Contessa Brewer, Contessa, thank you very much for that. Boeing shares not reacting to that news. All right, so from Contessa to crypto and Bitcoin and others making a big bounce back in the last couple of days. Let's talk more now about what has changed or maybe not changed in the last few weeks with crypto and bring in Noel Atchison, head of market insights at Genesis Bitcoin, just under 50,000. Noel, it's good to have you back on. You guys track what they call on chain activity. Uh, thank you. A very, basically, a very fancy term for user interest or activity. What are you seeing with regards to 
investor interest. Is it back or is this just the same buyers coming maybe back in in a bigger way? That's a fascinating question, Brian, and it gets to the very fundamentals of what do we even mean by on-chain activity. But before I go on, I do want to caveat that everything I say are my opinions and not those of my employers. And uh, I should also point out that investors never really went away. What on-chain activity allows us to do, Brian, and this is something that few people outside of crypto fully grasp, it allows us to gauge sentiment by the actual movement of the assets. Because of the transparent nature of blockchains, we can tell without knowing names, of course, which addresses bought what, how much, when, at what price, are they in profit, what have they been doing recently? And these data points that I keep an eye on have been telling me that holding activity has been notably more pronounced over the past few weeks than it was in June and July, for example. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a run back. I mean, but basically back to where we were. Bitcoin still off its highs, but Ether, it was like 3300 you know, almost the four collapsed and has come back. I guess we know what's happened. Some people, unfortunately, probably sold, you know, as the, as the market fell. Now they've got the FOMO, fear of missing out on the return rally. What are we looking at ahead? What's going to be the driver of crypto going forward? Are we kind of just waiting to the fall? Is it the Fed? Is it more companies getting in? What? It's a mixture of everything, Brian, and I know that's an easy answer, but actually is the case. I mean, the on-chain data has been bullish for quite a while, but that's not enough. What you need to see is an actual change in the sentiment. We are seeing that not just from the huge amount of money that's flowing into the industry, from new funds that have been announced, from institutions such as Wells Fargo, JP Morgan and others, but also from some of the whopping funding rounds that we've seen just so far this month for market infrastructure companies, crypto market infrastructure companies. And then layer on that, market sentiment, which affects all markets, as you know. And yes, crypto eyes, the, the watchers are keeping an eye on what's going to happen at the end of this week at Jackson Hole. <clears throat> will Federal Reserve Chairman Powell decide to announce tapering now or, or will he wait for a bit? And I think it's very telling, Brian, that for the second year in a row, this will be a virtual event. We didn't expect that. We thought that by now we would be back at in-person events. So it's a very stark reminder as to the COVID-shaped problems that the economy is still going through. So sentiment matters a lot. The fundamentals have been there for quite some time. But one fundamental change in the market, Brian, since last year is the role of Bitcoin. Bitcoin now accounts for less than half of total crypto market capitalization. You mentioned Ether. That on many metrics has outperformed Bitcoin so far this year. And there are many other smaller assets that have had astonishing performances for somewhat different reasons than Bitcoin. They're seen less as macro assets and more as technology plays. And the technology is progressing at a fascinating pace. How's the trader interest? How, how are the volumes? Do we know? Volumes are not extraordinary, but they're up from where they have been uh, during the depths of the the bull market. What we are seeing in the market is less leverage than last time we were in an upswing. That's because of some structural changes in the market. We've seen regulators pressure some of the exchanges to lower the leverage as possible, as well as a general change in sentiment. We are detecting some more caution this time around, which is a good sign. Noel Atchison of Genesis. Noel, it's a pleasure to get you back on. A lot of interest I know in, in crypto as people say, oh, Bitcoin is back at 50000 It's amazing. The round numbers don't mean anything, but they kind of do. Never Noel, thank you very much. Brian. Thanks very much. Uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. Noel, thank you very <laughs> much. All right. It is never boring in the world of money and finance and crypto in particular. All right. Coming up. 
Well, it still may be 110 degrees with 100% humidity outside New Jersey, but Starbucks says, what a better time for a really hot fall-flavored beverage. We'll get a look at this morning's top trending stories ahead. But first, as we head to break, some of your other top headlines right now. The $610 million in crypto recently stolen from one finance platform has been returned by the hacker who took it. Poly Network says the hacker began returning the funds as soon as the heist was unveiled and has provided the key to the remaining funds. How about that? Elon Musk giving a less than optimistic take on Tesla's latest version of its self-driving software, calling it, quote, not great. Musk comments in a tweet come just days after he touted the autonomous systems at the company's AI day. And Viacom CBS reporting looking to unload another one of its high-profile properties. According to reports, the company exploring a sale of the 40-acre studio center in Studio City, California. News coming after last week's sale of CBS's iconic New York headquarters. Futures, they are higher, and we are back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. We've got a pretty pricey rock, crypto getting into the name game, and some fall fans seeing the return of maybe their most beloved drink. The always beloved Contessa Brewer is back with a look at this morning's top trending stories. Contessa, what's trending? Are you ready for this, Brian? NFTs have seen a variety of offerings. You know, you've got art, you've got sports personalities, and really everything in between. Well, now, add a rock to that list. Clip art of a rock just sold for 400 Ether, or about $1.3 million. The buyer, crypto mogul Justin Sun, this is his tweet. It marks the latest sale of Ether Rock, a brand of crypto collectible that's been around since, oh, the old days, 2017. It was, of course, one of the first NFTs. There it is. Sticking with cryptos, the exchange FTX has bought the naming rights for the University of California Berkeley's football field. The 10-year agreement comes at a $17.5 million price tag, and it marks the latest sponsorship move by FTX, which secured the naming rights to the Miami Heats arena for a reported $135 million in June. FTX everywhere. And fall fanatics rejoice. Starbucks fall menu returns today in August. And it always includes the popular pumpkin spice latte. So while the temperatures may be approaching 90 degrees in the New York City area today, the company is also rolling out its pumpkin cream cold brew to actually help cool customers off. If it's so popular, Brian, I don't know why they don't offer it all the time. I mean, really, if if pumpkin is your thing, wouldn't you be willing to drink it, I don't know, around Easter? Yeah, but then we wouldn't talk about it. They bring it back, and then we do Pretty a story on it. It's like, you know, first off, it's not 90 degrees, can tell us. It's like 140 degrees with 100% humidity in New Jersey. And by the <laughs> way, I'm just not down with the gourd. I don't like any gourds. I don't like any gourds. Pumpkins, or whatever gourds there are. It, it, no thanks. Are you, are you, are you gourdish? We should probably end this before we end on, we're going to head toward cruciferous vegetables or something next. It's too big of a word for this hour. I don't even know what that means. Sullivan Googling that word. Contessa, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay. Just not down with the pumpkins. All right. 
or my voice apparently. All right, on deck. Your morning RBI and revisiting one of our big money polls. You thought you knew what would be the best investment over six months. We're going to remind you of what you said and where we stand now. And a reminder, make sure to catch CNBC's Evolve live stream at retail today, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Got a big lineup, including the CEOs of Kohl's and Chewy. You can register at cnbcevents.com slash Evolve. And we are back right after this. Well, today's RBI is about the markets and about how right or wrong some of you have been. And do not worry, we are not slamming you. It has to do with a market poll from three months ago. You may not even remember it and where we stand right now. Back on May 25th, we asked, which will have the best percentage return between now and the close of business on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? We gave you four choices. The S&P 500, gold, Bitcoin, or oil. Well, today is basically halfway into the contest. And it looks like 31% of you are going to be right because you picked Bitcoin. And it is up roughly 30% in the last three months. The nearly 7% jump for the S&P 500 and the minimal rise for oil, they don't even compare. And don't even talk about gold. What do they say here? Forget about it. It's actually down 4% over the last 90 days. But we're not done. Hey, there's still three months to go, and anything can happen. Crypto could collapse again. Oil, it's big drop, maybe finished. Who knows? But halfway in, one-third of you have just nailed it. We're so proud. We'll update you in another three months. Random, but hopefully interesting. All right, why don't we stay in the markets and your money, and welcome back in. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. And Lori, the funny thing about that poll is, it's like I'm slamming the stock market because Bitcoin's up 30%. A 7% gain for the S&P 500 in 90 days is damn good. It is. It's great. And for the year as a whole, uh, stocks have had an even better year. And look, Brian, we're in a hot economy. We're seeing GDP coming in you know, very well above trend. That's something we really didn't see much post-financial crisis. But historically, when you get a hot economy, you get extremely strong equity market returns. A hot economy is expected to continue into next year. So markets have also been discounting that. Um, but like you said, the 7% move's not bad. It may not be quite as good as some of these alternative asset classes, um, but it is still quite a stellar move. I feel like there's, <clears throat> there's two worlds going on right now, Lori. Planes are packed. Malls are packed. I mean, packed to the point where there are yeah. lines in Pennsylvania to get into stores on Sunday at the King of Prussia Mall. True story. But yet we're hearing all about the new rise of COVID strains, new concerns. I mean, it's you look at it, it's like, how do we square the two? But it appears that despite some of the worries there and a rise in some cases, outcomes have been better. And it feels like the economy continues to power on. What are you seeing and what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of months? So, look, Brian, I'll just say I am from the South. I grew up in Alabama. I still have a lot of family and friends down there. 
So I've been very attuned to what's been going on with the virus this year, but I'm also a professional uh, prognosticator on the S&P, right? So we also watch a lot of data. And I'll tell you one stat that I've been focused on, a lot of other people watch it too, is just looking at the open table dining activity, um, which has flattened out over the summer. Um, a week ago, we wrote about how you'd seen sort of deterioration at most of the states around the country, not just in the South. We think a lot of that was because of the Delta variant and concerns that we're building. But when we updated the data yesterday, we found that a lot of states are starting to now show some signs of stabilization. Um, and I will say, in general, we're seeing the response to the Delta variant in that data set. A lot of people who have been focused on reopening, frankly, and have been excited about getting on planes have been ignoring those kinds of stats. Um, but at the same time, while we see a little bit of concern, a little bit of reaction in there, they're holding up remarkably well. We've seen a flattening out of that data set, not a collapse in that. I think at the end of the day, we heard early on from a lot of S&P companies on the consumer side about how mobility was still improving, that we aren't seeing shutdowns. We've had a number of companies last week in reporting season say our guidance doesn't include the possibility of further shutdowns. Um, and I think that's generally you know, what we're seeing in, in terms of our societal reaction is that we're not going back to lockdowns, yeah. we're not going back to shutdowns, and that is allowing the economy to keep uh, um, muttering through. But that's got to be, maybe not, a huge market risk. I mean, as we head into fall, if it's like last fall, we, that's when the Northeast, you know, you watch this sort of seasonal trend. You know, if we get some kind of renewed talk of that, yes. is that the risk maybe we're not talking enough about? Well, look, I, I think that it's been a difficult market this last month or so because people are just focused on what they want to be focused on. And it makes it very hard for people who are focused on different things to have conversations about what's going on. Um, but I do agree with you that in the short term, at least, there does seem to be a little bit of a risk. And if you look at that reaction to the, of the market to that University of Michigan consumer sentiment number, markets were simply not prepared for the idea that this Delta variant was having an impact on sentiment and behavior. And we've basically gone over the past week or so into negative economic surprise territory. We've seen the city U.S. economic surprise indicator dip down into negative territory for the first time in a very long time. So I do think in the very near term, there is risk that investors have been too complacent about the short-term impacts of this variant. I think back to school is a very important clearing event for markets to get through, especially just given the concern that we've seen rise around children and the Delta variant. A lot of unanswered questions there. I'm not going to try to answer them for you this morning. Um, but I do think that's a critical catalyst that markets may need to get through. Yeah. The markets have been good with the exception of one group, small caps. They're actually down yes. over the last three or four months. Is it safe? Is it good to buy small caps again? So, look, I think small caps are this wonderful economic barometer. They are, allow you to price in so many different risks, whether it's inflationary risks, um, whether it's domestic growth risks. I think in the short term, as long as markets are digesting these short-term impacts from the COVID variant, until these COVID clouds clear, small caps are going to be a tough place to be. But one thing I'll tell you is we haven't seen small caps really breach uh, cor true correction territory this year. They've had a number of lumps. They haven't gone down more than 10% from their peak. So the market is telling you that they don't really expect a true growth scare to ensue from all of this. I think you'll have a nice intermediate term trade in small caps once these COVID clouds clear. We are still facing hot GDP next year. Small caps traditionally do very well. Looks like some of these inflationary pressures may be peaking. That should help their margins as well. But I'll tell you, Brian, as much as I love that space and a lot of things about that space, the Fed always kills the small cap trade. We reliably see when Fed rate hikes start that small caps see a major peak relative to large cap. 
Well, we're going to at some point rates, I imagine, may have to go up or, or maybe not. They've been going down for 30 years. Lori Calvacina, always love having you on. Always love your valuable insight. Have a spectacular day, Lori. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. All right, you're very welcome. All right, and with that, we wrap up Tuesday's show here on Worldwide Exchange. Dow futures up 25, but tech futures, NASDAQ, they're up more than that. Could be another big day for big tech, crypto, and oil up again as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Squawk and the gang picking it up next. Have a great day. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.